0: We are in a, quite a season. Uh, I told you a few weeks ago, the, uh, if you were here, I just shared the Lord put something on my heart. And uh, um, just in the back prayer room, and he began to show me this vision of, of these, these waves. You guys remember when uh, I was explaining this last week? I think it was last week. It's all kind of a blur. My glasses are a blur as well. Um, but, uh, but I saw these two waves. And, um, and the first wave was, the Lord, there was a caution not to be caught up in the first wave. Uh, in the sense of going, wow, this is the revival. But the Lord was saying, no, this is a building wave. And that there's a bigger wave coming. And so that we don't go, well, that's it. This is the revival. We're here. But no, we're actually here to raise up, to build up the next generation, this new generation. And this includes prodigals. This includes those that are lost. It includes those that that have been away from the Lord for for a number of years. And and this new generation is going to be the ones. They are going to be the ones that live lives laid down, sold out, uninhibited by the things of this world for Jesus. And they're gonna be the warriors that actually help in the second wave, which is the bigger wave, which we're gonna see so many come into the kingdom. We're gonna see so many come into the kingdom in this first wave, but there is a second wave. And, uh, um, and I don't know the timing of it, I, you know, I, I have no idea. Um, but, and I don't believe it's, a, it's not like God set the time of it. I think he set the Kairos time of it, which if you know what that means, it's basically, He's he set a time when his people are ready, when hearts are prepared, that at that moment it will come. And, uh, and it will be a suddenly. It's not gonna happen in a, in a it's, like, it's like Acts 2, where there was a and suddenly. There were hearts that were prepared and ready, and then there was the and suddenly. And, and I want you to hear this. So I shared this on, uh, on Wednesday. On Wednesday morning, I woke up, and the Lord, I haven't looked at this book in a while, and I've never read the first half of this book, which is about the, uh, um, the, uh, the Welsh revival. I had read the second half or parts of it, which was about the Azuzu revival. And it's a, another book by Rick Joyner. I, I picked up all these books from my dad um, when I, he's like, hey, if you want any of my books, and I felt the Lord just say, grab all the revival books. <laughs> and so I've just been kind of praying and pressing into I don't know what the Lord's doing, but uh, but I just you just walk in obedience. And and so I picked up this book Wednesday morning, and, and I want you to hear this because it just so stirred my heart. The, the vision that the Lord gave me, um, I hadn't seen this. You might think, oh, you already, you were reading this and that's where you got the vision. So let me just say, believe it or not, I don't care. I didn't read this. I hadn't read this until Wednesday but it's the exact same thing that the Lord had given me that I shared last week. And as I opened this up, my mouth just dropped. I ran down, I was like, Christy, you gotta hear this. (laughs) But I feel like it's just confirmation about what the Lord's about to do. I'm just gonna read just a part of this. This is what he said. He goes, every time the Lord has shown me the coming harvest, he has shown it to me in two great waves. There are many more waves that are coming uh, or there, there may be more waves that are coming, but I know that there are at least two. As I've often said, the first wave will be so great that almost everyone will believe that it's in fact the great harvest that is at the end of the age. However, there's at least one more wave coming after it that will be much greater. So this is what I was, this is what I was sensing. And the, the warning that I had was don't get caught up that that wave is this last wave of revival it's a building wave and that we are called to build in that season. So it's like we're going to press in and build in that season. Yes, we're going to experience God in a great outpouring, but it's to press in. He says this. This was written in 2006, by the way. Um, However, oh yeah, I said that. The millions of new believers that will or possibly have already come on this first wave are all called to be the laborers in the second wave. <laughs> These people must be properly equipped and prepared. This is the building, prepared for the greater wave. He goes into some other things about, well, I'll just read. He says, you must fulfill the Ephesians 4 mandate to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So there is this, this part that we're called to. It says the present structure of the, of the typical local church which is more like a spectator sport than its biblical counterpart, with few people doing everything and the rest just cheering, will not survive much longer. This is what we're being called to. Even as we were going out today, the reason why we're going out is because we're equipping the church. You might you might be going, I- I'm not ready for this. I'm not equipped for this. Perfect. As you go out, you will realize where the shortcomings are, and then you will be much more uh, <laughs> you 'll listen much more closely, right because now you 're like, "Oh I, I, now I need to know this it, it was I think I told you this like when I was getting my pilot 's license and and uh, it, it wasn 't like high school where you where you just kind of like check in and check out um, because you really don 't know when you 're going to use this stuff uh, when When I was getting my pilot 's license, I paid attention to every word because then I was soon flying in the air by myself as a pilot, and, and if I didn't listen, if I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, uh, it could cost me my life. And I believe we're in this time right now where, where the Lord's going, you need to listen. You need to hear the words, you need to hear my voice, you need to be obedient to my spirit. We can no longer sit in the church and just be spectators. We're called to be part of the church. We're called to be the army of God. And, and this is what he's saying here. It's not a spectator sport. And, and, and that is not going to survive much, much longer. He says this, the first wave of revival is coming to the church. And it will be a blessing only to the churches that have been using their time wisely. And have been truly equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So. I am equipping you guys to do the work of the ministry. (laughs) We are called to do this. We are being raised up together. We're going to go out. We're going to minister. We're going to do the very things that this Bible that we read and and we study and we know so well, we're going to do those very things even today. And, And we may be like, well, I've never done this before. I don't know how to do it. Well, this we got a great manual to help. And then we have a Holy Spirit that actually leads us. Be very careful not to just go by the manual, but to be led by the Spirit. He says, those that are are called my children are those that are led by my Spirit. So it's not just this, it's this plus the Holy Spirit working together, leading you in the very things that you're called to do, leading you and equipping you and training you for the very work of the ministry that we're called to, every one of us, We are all ministers. Um, I'm not gonna read the rest. I will read this last part. Like sharks, the devil and his minions will swarm towards a move of God to try to pick off anyone they can in an effort to chase the rest away. Why would the Lord allow such a thing? Because true spiritual advances can never go far if there are many fearful and timid people around. You look throughout history and where fear is, where timidity is, uh, he says, I don't, I, the, the Lord doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. And where there's fear, uh, he cannot operate. He operates where there's a place of, where there's faith. Um, I was thinking of Gideon's army. If you look at Gideon's army, Gideon had 32,000 men. Uh, now, the problem was, is he was going up against 135,000 men. So if you're on Gideon's side, you might think, well, 32,000 is pretty good. But then you look at the other side, you're like, oh, I'm not doing this. Odds are not good. (laughs) And so the Lord says the first thing he does, he cuts it down to 300, but the first thing he does is he said, release those that have fear, that are fearful. Let them go. And so Gideon stands up and he goes, okay, if anyone's fearful of fighting this battle, you can go. (laughs) If you can imagine, here's 32,000 men 22,000 left. So he's down to 10,000. Now the Lord doesn't stop there. He goes, yeah, that's still way too many. 10,000 versus 135,000. No, nope, your odds are still too good. We're going to knock you down. So rest of the story, he knocks him down to 300. Uh, and then he defeats the 135,000. <laughs> Only God can do that. So here it is. So there is... When there is fear in the camp, first of all, we need, to, we, need to, we need to cut the fear out. Not necessarily the people, but we need to go, come on, change your heart. Consecrate your heart before the Lord. When we consecrate our heart, it's, it, it's a heart that becomes pure, holy, tender before the Lord. It actually comes into an alignment with the Lord's plan, His purposes that He has for us. When we do that, fear goes and faith begins to rise up. Faith is not our own ability to to accomplish things. Faith is that perseverance that comes through the inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that gives us the power to have the endurance to fight the battles. That's the Holy Spirit rising up in us to accomplish the things that the Lord wants to accomplish. So he says this. Okay, because You can't have fearful and timid people. It it says, it takes the greatest faith and courage to be part of true revival. For those who are, here it is, led by the Spirit, who walk by faith rather than fear, to experience even a short ride with the Holy Spirit, it's worth taking a risk and risking everything. But for those who are not willing to risk, they're not ready for revival. Those are pretty strong words. Uh, But it was just this, to go back to where I was going with this, is I felt like this was a confirmation for for what the Lord is about to do. I've had the book for like over a month, and uh, the fact that he gave me that word, and then here it is, like just a couple days later, he's like, I want you to read this, I read it, and it's almost like word for word. Um, I just feel like it's confirmation for what the Lord wants to do. And He wants to do it now. Again, it's a Kairos time. Are our hearts prepared? And I'm gonna just rip through this because we are just about out of time. I wanna get you guys out of here to actually go do the work of the ministry. But I, I felt like the Lord was saying that we need to consecrate ourselves. There's a consecration that's required And again, I'll go back to in Joshua 3, after 40 years in the desert, they're about to cross the Jordan. For the first time in 40 years, a whole generations died off. And this is what the Lord says, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. They were about to step, in a sense, into that revival. into that promised land, the beginning of it. Now, let me say, a lot of times we think revival is this, like, uh, I, I love, he said, actually, uh, Rick Joyner says something to this, uh, let me just read it. <laughs> I highlighted it, so I know where it is. It says, revival is, very, is a very serious business. We are not going to a spiritual amusement park, but we are going into the presence of the greatest king, when, when revival comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, oh, does he require holiness? If there's sin in the camp, it will be removed and it will be removed violently. He cannot be in a place where there isn't holiness. He, he requires that holiness. He requires that purity. He requires hearts that are, that are consecrated. And this is, what, this is what he was doing. He said, consecrate yourself. Why? Because you're about to cross over into the promised land. What happens in the promised land? You're stepping into a lot of enemy territory. And you're going to take territory. You're going to walk into enemy territory. You're going to walk around walls that are very tall, that have armies inside of them, that hate you, that want to kill you. And you're going to take them down by the power of the Holy Spirit you're gonna fight, they fought 31 kingdoms, they fought 31 kings and armies, all by the Lord. And when you read through Joshua, battle after battle, they're always different. It wasn't the same thing. They didn't walk around 31 walls and, and knock down 31 kingdoms. It was always done in a different way. My favorite is, the, is when, he, when he takes the, uh, uh, the, the hailstones that are the size of probably one of those chairs uh, that's what they, they if, if you go back and look at scripture, it looks like they were about three foot by three foot hailstones. You Imagine being hit by a three foot diameter hailstone. <laughs> Would it hurt? It, the Lord said when they were fighting this battle, it says, more were taken out by the hailstones than by the sword. It, and he didn't take out any of the Israelites which mean these, these things were like, were like missiles that were like set, and he would just poof, and boom. I mean, I can't even imagine. Like, this is the Lord's power and might, and, and, and he did it that way and for that army, but he, the next time, he didn't use the hailstones. God did it his way, not our way, every single time. But we are stepping across into this territory. We're stepping into new territory that is occupied by the enemy, and we will take it down, and we will take it by force, but it's going to require this place of consecration of our hearts. If there is fear in our heart, if there's anxiety in our heart, what it is, it's a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust in Him, and we go, we can't We can't force it out. We can't sit there and go, come on, fear, go. (laughs) Okay, now I'm good. No, what happens is when we, first of all, when we realize the blood of Jesus, when we acknowledge this blood, this is the first place of, of consecration. Without the blood of Jesus, there is no consecration. So let me say this and say it clearly so there's no misunderstanding. The blood of Jesus, is the beginning of your purification, the beginning of that, that consecration. But it is not the end. It is required and it, and, it, and it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But then there is this place that we're called to walk in and we're called to walk by faith. It, but this is, what, this is what the Lord says, he gives, I give you my spirit. I put my spirit in you if it was just the blood of jesus then we wouldn't need the spirit we wouldn't need there's all these scriptures about persevering we wouldn't need to persevere we wouldn't need to endure we wouldn't need the strength of the holy spirit all we need is the blood and so we just we take the blood we're cleansed that's it but he goes no now i put my spirit in you to move you because you want to be called a child of god you want to be my child You want to be a son or a daughter of God? Then walk by my spirit. It's not just the blood. But the blood is critically important. It is the foundation. So hear hear me, because I know somebody's going to come back to me and go, (laughs) like, it's so easy to be misquoted on these things or misunderstood on these things. So Lord, I just pray that you would would show this. You would show your heart in this and what you're trying to do. And yeah, let me just, so the consecration, let me just take you to uh, uh, Hebrews. I'm just gonna walk you through this and oh, Lord, give me the ability to move quickly. This is so important though, I just, if we miss this, if we miss the consecration, if if the Israelites would have missed the consecration part, the sanctification, then they would have missed being able to go into the promised land. They would have been destroyed. They had to set themselves apart. They had to become pure and holy before the Lord. Actually, there's a definition. We just put that up if you have it, to consecrate. It's talking to Christy, and and I think sometimes this word, it's a big word, it's not a word we use. We don't talk to our kids. Hey, did you consecrate this morning? (laughs) Right? How many of you use the word consecrate in your everyday language? (laughs) Anna. How about in your workplace? <laughs> How many of you have consecrated today? <laughs> uh, here, consecrate. To be set apart, to purify, to make holy, to sanctify, to honor as sacred. And uh, we were talking about it, I was talking about it with Lisa, and it's, that, it's to be set apart for his will, for the will of God. So when you set your there, yourself apart there, some other things I was just, I was, it's, it's uh, to set your affairs in, heavenly, in the heavenly order. So in the order of what, what God desires and his plans, you set your affairs into that. It's drawing close to the Lord. It's submitting to his ways and, and walking in obedience. It's hungering and thirsting for him. It's seeking him with all your heart. It's having a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. These are all this is all part of this purification process of, of of consecrating ourselves to the Lord. It but I would say the biggest thing, if you remember this, set yourself apart from the world. It's it's Romans 12, too. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So that is this place of consecrating our hearts. And uh, so in, in Hebrews, the blood of Jesus, I'll just, I'm going to just quickly run you through like kind of this Hebrews 9 and 10. In Hebrews 9, it, it says this, uh, verse 11, it says, when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that had already been done here, he, it says he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made that is to say it's not part of this creation he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves but he entered the most holy place here's jesus no one had entered the most holy place but he enters the most holy place and it says and once and for all how does he do it by his own blood and so it's it's this blood that now it, it talks about that that sanctifies us, that purifies us. Uh, it says, "How much more will this blood of Christ?" In verse 14. So I'm kind of jumping. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, How much more will this this blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse us? This is that cleansing. Here it is. That 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 purification, that consecrating, cleanse us from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. The part that, like, we stop with, like, He cleanses us, but there's a purpose for it. You catch this? So that we may serve the living God. When we know His will, there's still a matter of walking in it. But again, I wanna say, it's not by our own power, it's not by our own might. We don't do anything on our own, in and of our own power and might. And this is where the church sometimes get off, gets off, is, is they they like, okay, I, I know the will of God, and then they, they jump out and they go for it and they get blasted. Because they're not actually moving by the Holy Spirit. They're not moving in His ways. They're, they're, they know His ways, but there's a presumption. It, it, it's the very thing that happens back in, in Deuteronomy where, um, where Moses says, hey, you guys were called to be the ones to go into the promised land. And you messed it all up. You, you, you had 10 of the 12 spies that, that totally messed it up. And everyone became fearful. And, uh, and all of a sudden, they go, oh my gosh, you're right. And then it says they became presumptuous. And then they went to do the very thing that the Lord had earlier told them to do. And Moses says, no, 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 don't go now. You're going in your own power. Go with me. And they go, no, 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 we got this. The Lord told us to do this, we're gonna go. And they go and they get destroyed. So it's not about going in the presumption of what we think we know God has for us. It's going in the power of His might. It's going in, in His strength. and. Uh, so it's, it is by the blood. And, and this is, hear this verse, because sometimes we go, and this is used in the wrong way. So as you go through, I'm going to go into chapter 10, and we were, we were in this last week a little bit. The Lord had us in this. Um, he says the sacrifices and off- offerings, burnt, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you even pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said this, here am I, I have come to do your will. This was Jesus, the first one. Um, it's interesting. I'm going to jump around for just a second. Hold your place there. But in, in John, the end of 14, it says this. He's talking about the enemy. And he, has, he says Jesus says, he has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded of me. There is this place that we're called to, to do exactly what the Father is commanding of each of us, and and this, um, I know I'm jumping off a little bit, but just hold with me. Uh, in John 17, he says this: This is how we give glory to God, not by not by just um, just getting before Him and worshiping Him but actually out of that place, that's the spiritual act of worship that then now we can test and approve what His will is. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit in that place of consecration, now we move forward and we complete the very things that He's called us to do. And in this, we actually give glory to God. In John 17, when Jesus prays, the, it's the longest prayer. It's right before He goes to the cross. He says these words. he does say these words (laughs) Um, Lord where are they oh verse 4 I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do these are the words of Jesus saying I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do in Ephesians 2 it talks about this that we are God's masterpiece created in Christ, now by the power of the Holy Spirit. To do what? We're created to do good works. It's the very purpose that we're created for. We're his masterpiece. Your works are not my works, but we each have works. They're not the works of this world. They're his works that he has for us to do. So right before it, it says you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace. You're, you're saved by grace, but you're created for good works. So don't stop just with the grace, but actually be empowered by the grace of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the works so that you give glory to God. That's following Christ. That's being in a place of consecration before the Lord. I, I want to say, consecration, let me add this in the, in the definition. Consecration is not an immobile state. Consecration is an active place of doing His will. There is the initial initial consecration of purification by the blood of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit doesn't stay still. He says, walk in step with the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Walk in the light. Not sit in the light, not stand in the light. We walk. We move. And, And this is that place that we've got to realize as the church, we're called to move out. We're called to move forth. In the power of the Holy Spirit, consecrated and set apart, and, and then the last piece you gotta catch here is that it's in faith. And faith is actually the key to the kind of the final step of consecration. Let me just explain and then we'll be done. If I can't explain. Um, and I, I would encourage you, go back, read, Read Hebrews 9, which talks about the blood. 10, which talks more about the blood and the sanctification process that he's, he's called us into. Oh, I wanted to, before I do that, let me, read, let me jump back to this because this is the part where, that gets mistranslated and, and, and spoken by the church. He says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And we stop there and we say, well, it's done. I'm sanctified, I'm purified, that's all I need. But, but interestingly enough, although we sometimes stop there, the Bible doesn't. <laughs> and if you read the next couple verses and if you read what he says right after that, he explains the further, the steps now that we walk into for the fullness of this consecration. And, and he says this. He goes, "This is the new covenant I'll make with them." After a time, he says, "I will put my laws in their heart, and I will write them on their minds." What's he saying? If you go back to Ezekiel thirty-six, uh, which actually I think this comes from. It's uh, thirty-six twenty-six. It's it's. Uh, he says this. <laughs> He says, I will cleanse you from all your impurities. So here's, here's consecration. Cleanse you from all impurities and from your idols, and I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. How do we get this new heart? It's the Holy Spirit that he actually sets in us, that he puts in us as this, first it's the blood, because without the blood, we can't have the spirit. But when his blood purifies us, he says, L- now I can put my spirit in you. And now you're going to move and do the very things that I've called you to do. Set apart, consecrated, and now you're going to live a consecrated life for me. So there's the initial consecration, and then there is a walking out this consecrated life. And he says this, I will remove from you your heart of stone. That's that hardened heart that we talk about, a heart that doesn't hear the Lord th- when, when he touches us, when he's moving us. When, when we, Sometimes we'll I hear people go, I just can't hear the Lord. Well, check your heart. Because when your heart is tender before the Lord, when you're in this place of, of tears before the Lord, I, we hear his voice. He moves us. He moves us by his spirit. But we have to be in a tender place. And if you feel like, well, I just don't hear him, ask the Lord to tenderize your heart. Ask him for tears. I've been asking for that. And there's times I'm like, oh, not now, Lord. <laughs> But his, his, he does it whenever he wants to do it. I've been in tears more in the last week than I've been in the last two months. I mean, it's like you ask for it and you'll get it. Ask him to tenderize your heart. Ask him to make it just so tender that, that you hear his voice, that you begin to walk in his ways. He says he, he removes the heart of stone and he puts in that heart of flesh. What's the heart of flesh? It's a tender heart. It's a heart that is wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. He puts that in us, and he says, and I will put my spirit in you. And then he goes, and my spirit will move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So he doesn't just put his spirit in us and go, wow, they're good now. No, it's so that we can actually move out according to the very will of God, his plans, his purposes. What's the greatest plan and his purpose? It's his love, that we actually move in his love. I'm not going to go back into that, but that's uh, what we've been talking about is this, it's, it's operating in his love for others. He says, love the Lord your God your, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love others. Those two are critically important. They go hand in hand. One is not actually more important than the other. They're both critically important. So this is that, and it's by the Spirit. So again, we cannot love the way he calls us to love without the Spirit, which, call, which requires a heart that is consecrated, set apart unto him. And I feel like as, as this wave is about to hit, I don't know when, but as this wave hits, he's looking for those that are set apart unto him. And, and I believe there's gonna be that move of his Spirit. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit in us, but he is gonna come upon us. There is going to be an anointing that hits that we're going to go forth. That's where Jesus says, wait here, Terry. They already had the Holy Spirit. He already breathed on them. He says, wait here, and Terry, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Tongues of fire will come upon you. You You will operate in boldness, not because of your boldness, not because of your strength, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. As you set yourself apart, it, you see it over and over and again through the through the old testament where, where the glory of the Lord filled the temple. How did it happen? It happened in times when the, when the temple was set apart, when there was a they there were sacrifices done, that there was there was a consecration that was done for the temple. And then God came in his power, in his glory. It said it says in Second in Chronicles 7, it talks about it says that it filled the temple to the point where the, the priests could not move. They couldn't even enter into the temple because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There is so much power that God has that He wants to operate in and through us, but it requires a consecration. It requires hearts that are sold out to Him. We cannot hold on to the things of this world and expect God to move in power in our lives. And how you know that you're holding on to the things of this world is when there's fear. Anytime you're grasping something of this world, and there's fear and anxiety and something you're worrying about it's because you're not consecrated before the lord in a in a full manner in a purified way it so says those that's, that are purified in heart they will see god i believe the lord wants to show himself in such great power in these days but it requires us to be sold out all in no longer conforming to the pattern of this world we hear it over and over again But I'm telling you, it's a new day. We cannot operate in the things of this world. We cannot operate in that that mindset. We need to be like David and not like Saul. It's not, oh, this is the armor. You need this armor. You need this. You need the spear, the javelin, the sword. No, no, no. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in his ways. So right after that, right after he says, that you've been made holy through the, uh, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then he says, then I put my spirit in you. I put my laws in your heart and I write them on the tablets of your mind. Then he says this, then he talks, he goes into perseverance and he says, so let us draw near to God with sincere hearts. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope that we profess. Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and towards good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. I just kind of jumped through there. And then he says these words. And this is, sometimes we go, well, we have the blood of Jesus. It washes us clean. We're sanctified. We're set apart. We're holy. Now we can do whatever we want. Now we can live our lives the way we want to. And, uh, <laughs> and we always skip over this, these verses, but I just, as I was reading them last night, I just felt like the Lord said, just this is that reminder. He says this right after that. So he, he's talking about the blood of Jesus, the sanctification, this consecration. And then it says this, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received this knowledge of the truth, after we've received the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, he says this, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only the fearful expectation of judgment and the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. These are strong words. And there is a, there's this place of... <laughs> I'm not gonna go into it, but in, in Leviticus, it talks about deliberate sin versus kind of accidental sin. And uh, with the accidental sin, it, it says, well, you can actually, you can take the goat, um, and you can sacrifice the goat and for, for your sins. But on these deliberate sins, he said, you'll be separated. And, uh, and that's the old covenant. But I believe there's this, there is this, if you deliberately keep on sinning, now, there's a, that's that continual going back into sin. So you go, well, I've, I've, I've accepted Jesus, I'm good. Now I'm gonna live my way. When you look at Jesus on the cross and you look at what he did for us and how he died for us, I, I go, how can we ever, how can we ever go back to those old ways? How could we ever step into those things? And, and I, I would say, In those moments where you feel like whether it's just the things that are not of god it it, it could be pornography it might be an affair it might i don't know what it is but stop for a second and look into the face of jesus on the cross and his love for us is so great that it should overpower any thoughts of walking in sin And the Holy Spirit actually is there to come alongside and to strengthen you, to empower you to walk out of it. Now, do we sin? Do we mess up? Yeah, we do. And and that's not what this is saying. It's not like, well, you've walked out of sin. If you ever step in sin again, you're out. (laughs) That's not what this is saying. But it's saying that if you deliberately keep on walking against this, when you know that's the direction and you say, no, I'm going to. I'm going to walk my way. Jesus says, I, my blood can't cover that. The moment you turn, my blood covers that. Come back to me and run to me. I'm the one that sanctifies you, that makes you holy, that purifies you. There's nothing you can do of your own, but you must turn towards me. You must set yourself apart unto me. And then when we sin, when we do stumble, ah, man, we run to Him. We don't turn and say, well, I did it once. I might as well just keep doing it. No. You look at Jesus, you look at Him on the cross, and you say, He died for my sins. He did this for me so that I never have to walk in that again. And He gives me His Holy Spirit to empower me and strengthen me to walk in His ways, to walk a consecrated life, separated from the things of this world no longer living in the ways of this world. We are not called to live according to the things of this world. And you look at the church today, and I go, Lord, what's happened? We've become just like the world. We're walking in the same ways as the world. He's calling for a church that is holy, blameless, set apart. He's calling for a bride. He wants his church to become the bride. And I believe this is the time. So the last piece is this faith. At the end of Romans 10, he says this. He says, you need to persevere. You need to persevere. (laughs) So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So, yes, we are sanctified, purified by the blood of Jesus. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of us and empowers us. And then there's this place of faith. Not in our own ability, but in Him. That we, we actually, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. It says this, it says, He who is coming will not delay. My... The righteous will live by faith. The righteous, the ones consecrated, set apart, they're the ones that will live by faith. But it says, but if they shrink back, I will not be pleased with them. The Lord actually, and then, and then there's this whole chapter. So this is that progression, I love it. The next chapter is a chapter on faith. If you go through Hebrews 11, over and over again, it says, by faith. Abel offered God a better sacrifice. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. By faith, Noah was warned about the things to come. Uh, and then in fear, in holy fear, he builds the ark. <laughs> By, so that's holy fear, that's okay. <laughs> we're, not, we're not called to be in fear, holy fear? That's okay. When God calls you to do something, that's a holy fear that you say, yes, sir, I'll do it. <laughs> By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place uh, he, would rather, he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and he went. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past the age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered himself him faithful who had made the promise. It goes on and on and on, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future, by faith. I won't go into all of it, but it is by faith that all of these things happen. We are called to live by faith. And when we don't live by faith, it says God will not be pleased. God is not pleased with those who don't live by faith. So so don't stop With just, well, I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm just going to spend time with the Lord. No, allow the Holy Spirit to empower you in faith. Again, it's not your faith. It's not that thing. You can't do it on your own. You can do nothing on your own. It all comes through Him. Remember that. says none of this is about you. It's all about Him. He gives us all the tools. He gives us everything we need. We just play our little part. Like Lucy, just pull out your knife. You play your little part. Don't operate in fear. Operate in faith. This is that place that they played. As they operated in their little faith, the faith of a mustard seed, God began to move. Okay. I think, I think I've hit it. Um, let me say this. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Hear these words. Therefore, since you have been justified... Through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is that place of faith that we play. Through whom, it says, we have gained access by faith. So we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is what we get to boast in. It's all for his glory. And he has amazing things for each of us to do. There is an adventure ahead of you. If you are willing to step out, not walk by sight, but walk by faith. Which means that you don't look at the circumstances. Stop looking at your circumstances and basing what you do on your circumstances. Look at him and base what you do based on his power and his might and watch God move in the supernatural in your life. Are you guys ready to move in the supernatural rather than the natural? I'm tired of doing things my own way. I'm tired of trying to make things happen my own way. I want to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to move with Him, and I want to accomplish everything that He's called me to do, everything that He's created me to do. Will you guys rise? And just put your hands out. Actually, put one hand on your heart. Lord, I thank you that you are consecrating us today. You are setting us apart for your will. And your will looks different for every person. But it all involves your love. Because without love, we're nothing. We can do nothing. We have nothing. Lord, I thank you that you are setting us apart in this season, in this time, for your very plans and purposes. Lord, would you do that in each one of us today? Would you tenderize our heart? Would you, would you give us a heart of flesh? Remove that heart of stone so that we can hear your voice, so that we can walk in your ways write on the tablet of our heart by your spirit, Lord, that you would write on our heart, that you would put a new spirit in us. Set us apart unto you by your spirit. Thank you for the blood. Oh, thank you for the blood of jesus we don't have to do the the sacrifices and the burnt offerings we have one that is at the right hand of the father and the blood is on the mercy seat it is in the holy of holies that we can we can stand on that blood knowing that blood has sanctified us purified us made us holy so that now we have your spirit in us to empower us to walk in the fullness of what you have for us but i pray today we would walk consecrated lives we would walk as we step across the Jordan into the enemy territory, as we take hold of what you've set apart for us, the promises ahead. As we take down kingdoms, Lord, we do it by your power. We don't do it in our strength. We don't do it in our power. We do it by the Spirit, says the Lord. And may we walk in faith. May we not shrink back. Give us courage. Give us your strength that we would walk in your ways. Our eyes would be on you, Jesus, that we would run the race set before us. You're the author, and you are the perfecter of our faith. We love you, Lord. Bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.